1: Up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, January the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, normally Fridays are a tad casual here on the podcast. But that is not the case today. We had tons of information swirling about our Miami Dolphins on Thursday regarding coaches, potential free agents wanting to come down to Miami. We'll get you caught up on all of that. And we're back with day three from Mobile. That's right. We're doing the Senior Bowl practice updates again in the second segment. Some big-time prospects at big-time positions of need showing out for the Dolphins down in Mobile. We'll get to all of that and plenty, plenty more. But first, really quickly, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at Locked Fins And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the daily news, notes, analysis, breakdowns. Everything you guys want on the Miami Dolphins can be found on this podcast, obviously. But also up on lockedondolphins.com. And last but not least, the other locked on sports family of podcasts. For draft season, you got to have locked on NFL draft and draft dudes part of the locked on podcast network. We have a busy, busy Friday show. Let's get things going.
0: That's another Miami Dolphins.
1: Some substantial coaching news came down on Thursday in the afternoon as we learned the details of Brian Flores' second interview with Miami that took place late Wednesday night up in the Boston area wherever we're going to call that with Chris Greer general manager and head coach on the same track in that regard and in that meeting they outlined some of the coaching staff plans that Brian Flores has moving forward and we know about Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator of this team he is the current linebackers coach and running game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers he makes the jump down to South Florida we know about Jim Caldwell quarterbacks coach and assistant head coach he makes the jump as well but now we've got three separate sources Omar Kelly was first on it. Ian Rappaport endorsed that tweet, and then Mike Garofolo on NFL Network confirmed that Chad O'Shea is expected to be named the next offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, so it's not official, but it's pretty obvious that's where things are trending towards, and with Brian Flores officially being accepted as the head coach on Monday after the Super Bowl, I think things will continue to progress in that direction. And also, Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Globe, a big-time Northeast reporter up there, had an article up recently I found on his timeline, again via Omar Kelly retweeting, about Brian Flores, Chad O'Shea, and Brendan Daly running stairs together every single day up in New England. Who is Brendan Daly, you might ask? He's the Patriots defensive line coach, and that seems like a potential hire that could happen if he continues to pillage the Pats, and I talked about pillaging the Pats on the podcast last week, as well as the column up on LockdownDolphins.com and how excited I was to possibly steal O'Shea, but now Daly's in the mix, and that's even more guys you can steal from the Patriots, and how unique this whole thing would be, because this has never happened with the Belichick tree. They never peel off staffers from Bill Belichick, and that brings up the idea, is it allowed? Can he block potential coaches from going out? And this move would continue that line of thinking that they are going to pillage that entire staff, which looks like a very strong plan. And that brought the theory up on Twitter of possibly Bill Belichick thinking about retiring after the season because he's letting these guys leave and move on. I Some people think that he is closer to that than we really believe. I know that Mike from Boston, I forget your last name, dude, if you've ever talked about it on Twitter. But he's at Mike PS 178 I think it is, on Twitter. You guys all know who he is. But he lives up in Boston. He talked about how some people believe that he really is pushing maybe towards more of a general manager role, a front office role, and getting off the sidelines. So I guess that would make sense. Would he do that in New England? Who knows? There's a lot of theories to unpack there. But... The fact that he lets them leave is very, very interesting. And then on that same note with Chad O'Shea, C.K. Parrot, you guys know Chris Kaufman, pointed out the interest in Kingsbury as well as Greg Roman. And now settling on Chad O'Shea continues to point to a style of preference at the quarterback position. And he talked about O'Shea's time with Daryl Bevel in Minnesota and how they had Tavares Jackson there. So we'll see if that's the idea they want in terms of the athletic quarterback that can get out and escape and make things happen with his leg legs rather but all this stuff is going to be so so much different than it was under adam gaze now does that mean it's better no it does not but we will see on that if it is or if it's not but different was absolutely needed. And speaking of different, we heard about Dow Loggins getting hired to the Jets to go along with Adam Gaze to be the offensive coordinator there in New Jersey. We don't know yet what's up with Darren Rizzi. And the one coach that I really, really hope stays on the Dolphins staff is Eric Stettusville, the running backs coach and running game coordinator from 2018, who really had the strongest unit on the team, consistently getting yardage out of the offensive line on the interior that was not good and a running back rotation that wasn't supposed to be good. So he did really good work in 2018 we hope he stays on he and Rizzy are the two coaches I really don't want to leave Miami and then also a funny aside Adam Gaze brought wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson from Miami with him to New York ha good one there Adam he apparently has not learned anything from his failure in Miami and then there's this From a source that I never use, but I have used him twice now on the podcast, Omar Kelly gets back on the show for a second time, but he reported a rift between the coaches and scouts under Adam Gase in Miami on the staff and the front office, and specifically as it pertained to quarterback Ryan Tannehill, and that the idea was that speaking out against Ryan Tannehill was a death wish for any staffer on the Miami Dolphins staff. And the reason I bring this up is because it coincides with a very interesting comment that Mike Mayock made on the NFL Network during the Senior Bowl practices on Thursday. And of course, Mayock now with the Raiders was kind of chatting it up with his colleagues up there or former colleagues, I should say, as he is now no longer a part of the media. Raiders GM, but he was chatting about some of the things that he learned over his experience in the broadcast field and how he went to all 32 organizations, sat in all their buildings, talked to management, all the stuff that was part of his job as a draft analyst. And he said this, quote, the common denominator of the dysfunctional buildings was the lack of a relationship between coaches and scouts, end quote. And that, to me, is really kind of a backdoor way of corroborating that tweet from Omar Kelly regarding the toxic relationship between scouts and coaches down in Miami, and that would explain the teaching problems, the technique problems, the inability to get away from certain schemes and ideas, and the techniques that you have taught previously. It just seems like things never got meshed in the right way, and I think, I hope, But I do think that this staff with this scouting department, all handpicked by Chris Greer and then allowing Brian Flores to handpick his coaches, I think there's synchronicity in Miami. We'll see if it stands up and holds up because it's easier to talk about this time of year than it is to actually showcase in a long-term plan on the field on Sundays. We'll see if it holds up. But right now, it's promising. All right, next, we're going to go deep, deep into the weeds on Senior Bowl Day 3. We'll do that here on the other side on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
1: Thursday evening, wrapping up the Senior Bowl practices, day three now in the books. We only have the game to get to on Saturday, which of course you know we're going to have you guys covered here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Sunday recap episode, which we don't have recaps anymore since the Dolphins season ended about a month ago but we will recap that senior bowl game but this recap is all about the practice that happened on Thursday down in Mobile and we're just going to go position by position here and talk about the guys that stood out to me talk more in depth about guys at positions of need for the Miami Dolphins because there was one group at a huge position of need for Miami that is really really playing well down there and I can't wait to see what they do on Saturday in the game But real quick, before I get into the quarterback notes, first, I put down three bullet points on my column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can check that out right now, Senior Bowl Day 3 Report. But the one column, or the one topic was Mike Mayock that I mentioned in the first segment regarding the scouts and coaches in Miami. Number two was this interesting factoid from Daniel Jeremiah talking about how the radar gun on quarterbacks is something they never use in scouting rooms. They only used it one time in the draft room when he was a scout back with the Baltimore Ravens. And he said it's just not something the teams use today. And Trace McSorley and Daniel Jones had the two highest clocked fastballs on the day. And that's why he felt like saying that because both those guys have pop gun arms. And it's pretty ridiculous to use the MPH moniker to judge a quarterback's arm strength because frankly, no throw is the same as a previous one or the next one. It's always going to be independent of your platform, your arm angle, your drive, your ability to torque. There are so many things that go into throwing a football that using MPH is not how you do it. And then the third part was all these mic'd up players at practice on Thursday, and that includes Temple cornerback Rocky Sin, who is instantly one of my favorite players in this draft. He was talking trash all day long and getting after it with his play. He's a fun, fun player to watch. We'll talk about him more in the defensive back section. And also my boy Gardner Minshew, go Cougs, has this really galvanizing and, and inquisitive personality, talking to the coaches and the players back in the huddle after plays, showing the leadership to take accountability for some of the things that he was doing wrong in practice. I thought that was really cool to see. Of course, as a Coug alum, he is now, and me a current Coug. Let's go ahead and jump into these quarterbacks here. Talking about Gardner Minshew, and I mentioned Daniel Jones. I just don't see it, man. I, I know this might sound like confirmation bias, but go watch those practices. The footballs everywhere. It's floating. He's throwing it off the field down in red zone, like out of the end zone, where a guy can't make a play. Just really bad day. And Kyle Krabs, our friend here of the podcast. At grinding the film on Twitter of the draft network says that Daniel Jones hurt himself as much as anybody this week down in Mobile. Will Greer, same deal. The ball, where is it going? Out of bounds, so many times down in red zone work. Also has the pop gun arm. Just not. He, I, I don't see it with either of those two guys. And then Drew Locke, who. I mean, there's plenty of faults there too with the footwork and the inaccuracy issues at times. And he really kind of shrunk in some big time games. We talked about the swagger, but he showed the ability to adjust his arm angles in practice, throwing kind of one of those sidearm Patrick Mahomes looks. And then the best clip of the day was his highlight tape from high school basketball when he went through the legs on a dunk they showed during a flashback section of the program. And then Jarrett Stidham, Charles Davis had a comment about him, the Auburn quarterback, talking about how some of his best football could be ahead of him. So maybe he's a late runner long-term project type of prospect there at quarterback at running back. I wrote down Dexter Williams from Notre Dame, but just a smooth one cut zone runner. He was the only guy I had. It's tough to evaluate some positions at these practices and running back unless they're in pass pro or, kept, or out running routes in the, into the pattern. It's tough to get a feel for what they're doing. At wide receiver, my guy Penny Hart keeps coming back and having big-time days. His first rep of the day, he put a guy through the spin cycle down in the red zone for an easy touchdown, and then he follows it up with a big no-no that led to a pick by Iman Marshall from USC. He tried to run the wheel route where you fake out to the flat and then take it up the sideline into the end zone, and then he tried to cross back across the cornerback's face on the inside. You can't do that because the ball's coming back shoulder and it got picked off, but then later he showed more quickness and burst and urgency. His explosiveness is really eye-popping. At 5'8", he can get in and out of breaks. Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, he was kind of talked down on coming into the week, but he's been awesome with speed, deception, getting in and out of his breaks. He's been making plays all week long. A different type of receiver, Travis Fulgham from Old Dominion, he's a lean 6'3", 210, but he had a nice practice. I think he could be a late round option for that boundary side X position to replace Devontae Parker, battle with Bryce Butler. That's kind of where I think the Dolphins have to look at receiver is that deep part of the draft day three, try to get a developmental guy that can come in and fulfill a role in year one and then build on that from there. And then Debo Samuel, the best receiver the whole entire week down in Mobile, very strong at the catch point, such strong hands and nuanced in his routes, understanding of leverage. He should have a nice career in the NFL, but I don't think he's anywhere near in the Dolphins' crosshairs because he's probably in that late first, early second round window of the NFL draft. At the tight end spot, I have notes on just one guy. Again, this group is severely underwhelming, but Drew Sample out of Washington has the look of a 12 personnel type of tight end. To me, a guy that can come onto the field as your second tight end, help in the running game, also helping pass protection. He's experienced in both of those aspects of the game. And I like the way he flattens his route at the top of the stem, coming back towards the quarterback instead of drifting away from the quarterback. He had some rough reps at times in practice but all things told I think he has the base and the makeup to be a decent Durham Smythe guy or what Durham Smythe was supposed to be when the Dolphins drafted him last year on the offensive line this group is killing it I talked about it in the opening segment that there was a strong position that really benefited the Dolphins in a position of need and that's on the interior offensive line and Daniel Jeremiah talked about North Carolina State center Garrett Bradbury that he has the athleticism of Jason Kelsey the lateral movement of Ryan Khalil and has been blowing teams away way in the meetings with his football IQ and that he brings a huge element of leadership to that center position, something I really think the Dolphins have to make a priority this offseason. The center is really becoming one of the premier positions because tackles are more fluid, interior pressure is where it's coming at these days, and the way they dictate the line calls and get guys in the right spot, I think Miami is sorely lacking there and they'd be wise to go after Garrett Bradbury if they want to continue to be a principal zone team. And if they want to go man, another guy that could be a first round option or maybe early second round trade back in the first round type of position is Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State and he has been showcasing pure power inside he buried a dude today into the grave and his one weakness is changing direction and redirecting the counter move but if you try to go at him with power which a lot of guys on the inside will he will shut that down so those two guys I think have big targets on them For Miami, Bradbury, the zone guy. Jenkins, the power people mover. Chris Lindstrom is a right guard from Boston College. He absorbs power very well. He can work backwards, reset, and then lock out his man with strong hands. He was beat on a stunt later in practice, but he bounced back with strong reps. And he had one really good rep in team drills where he stayed in the same spot once. Zach Allen, a pure bull rusher, tried to push him back, and Lindstrom would not give an inch very impressive in that rep. Dalton Reisner, the tackle out of Kansas State, had a terrific week all three days. He has a really good punch, a really good set, and a really good anchor. His impressive work mostly came at right tackle, but he does play four positions on the offensive line, and he can reset and engage because of his initial hand placement is so good, and he's so engaged and in line with his upper body and lower body that he can reestablish that base while re-engaging a very nice on-balance player there from Kansas State, and he got fired up at one point in practice when he he won a drill and it was a showcase in front of the entire group of players on the field. John Gruden loves doing that and he won the rep and started pumping his fist. It was really cool to see the guys got fired up for him for Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. Michael Dieter from Wisconsin I thought had a really good week in terms of improving day after day. He pops up too high at times but his strength and the application of what he learned from previous mistakes has shown a high aptitude for playing the position at the next level. That's what Wisconsin offensive linemen do. That's what Michael Dieter did All week long. So strong. And the same case with all these guys that are good technicians. Very good hand placement. Fun to see him play there. Chuma Adoga from USC at tackle. Had a fantastic day. And that's all I really have to say about that. He was terrific. And then my guy at Washington State. Go Cougs. Andre Dillard is going to be the top tackle drafted in this draft. He has very, very quick feet, as Daniel Jeremiah called it, typewriter feet, and he can really move on balance. The hand placement, the redirect ability, it's all there. Very, very refined in pass protection. All right, guys, I was thinking about getting to the Twitter questions on the last segment here of the podcast, but I ran a little bit long. So next, we're going to go into the defensive players of the Senior Bowl and talk about an interesting development regarding a soon-to-be free agent coming up in March. We'll get to all that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Within his dreams, he sees the life he made, made. The pain is
1: deep. A silent sleeper, you won't hear a peep, The girl that once don't seem to Let's just go ahead and pick up right where we left off talking about the defensive players that were impressive or maybe not impressive at Senior Bowl on Thursday, the final day of practice is here as we cover that day three here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's go ahead and jump right to the interior defensive line. A guy I've been talking about all week long, Dalen Mack from Texas A&M made the jump from the Shrine game. He was taking people for rides into the backfield all practice long. That was the case all week long. Very impressive. A guy I definitely will keep an eye on come combine and come draft day. And then Greg Gaines, who had a really impressive Tuesday with pure power. He showed on Thursday that really power is all he has. I don't really, I'm not really that interested in a guy that can only play with power inside because I think you can easily negate that. So I will pass on Greg Gaines from Washington on the edge. Ben Benogu, Texas Christian DN slash outside linebacker, going to be a convert there probably is 250 pounds, but he showed the ability to stand up in a two point stance and pass rush from there with a variety of moves. Daniel Jeremiah called him a slippery rusher, which was fitting because he was beating guys all day long with the up and under with a spin with stunts. He was doing excellent work all day long on the outside, 250 pounds outside linebacker from Texas Christian. Chris Omenio, who I get that wrong every time from Texas has those long arms we talked about on the podcast on Wednesday that can detach from guys, and he showed that plenty on Thursday. Zach Allen, the power rusher I talked about again, he is just straight bull power off that edge. I think could be a really good five technique, a really good run defending edge in this defense. And then Terrell Hanks, who is a bit of an outside linebacker edge player, has such impressive athletes athletic ability and size and strength he just never misses a workout and his body shows it he plays with urgency and speed I want to get a better look at him on tape again on the inside linebacker nothing made it into this position group because nothing really stood out I think that the linebacker group and tight end group and running back group in mobile is very underwhelming and then at cornerback my guy finally get a chance to talk about him here Rocky Asin from Temple talks a lot wins a lot the inside hand jam physical throughout the stem, interrupts the path of the football. He continues to show out all day long. The offense tried a slant-flat combination on him down in the red zone, and he wiped it out entirely. A natural rub route that he just ran through and disrupted was so impressive. He and Debo Samuel going after each other was so much fun to watch all week long down in Mobile. Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky was just all over the field. I kept seeing his helmet and his name pop up, so I wrote that down. At safety, Will Harris from Boston College made an excellent play where he Drove on a double move and undercut the route for an interception. A good day for the Boston College alum. And Nasir Adderley, the top-rated safety by many, tried to line up in press coverage and got smoked on a one-on-one route. And it made me think maybe he could be more of just a single high center field safety, which would not be a first-round pick. But I still think he finds his way into that end of the first round at the safety spot because he could be safety number one. But if he's around in round two, let's absolutely think about taking a shot on Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. All right, we have one last note here I want to talk about because it was posted by Fansided on Twitter in the afternoon on Thursday, talking about how Le'Veon Bell wants to play in Miami when he becomes a free agent. We all know his long, long tenured history there in Pittsburgh. Sat the entire season out because of a contract holdout. He is only 26. He is one of the best running backs in the NFL. I don't think it's a good idea to pursue that because one, he's kind of an asshole in the locker room. It sounds like, I mean, guys didn't really care when he left Pittsburgh, raided his locker room, took his cleats and all that stuff. When he never showed up, he also kept leading those guys on saying, I'm going to be back in camp this day, going to be back this time and just never showed up. So I think that's kind of a bad teammate. And then number two, the positional budgeting a team does is really important to keep things kind of stable across all positions. And running back just does not have that much money that you attribute to the position. And Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage are both dirt cheap and they're both very good players. I like both of them. I don't want to splurge on a running back like Le'Veon Bell because of those two reasons. And also, I think the entire thing is a bunch of hogwash anyway, because we know that a lot of players and agents and teams and whatever you want to call it, have used the Miami Dolphins as leverage in a negotiating tactic to get bigger contracts elsewhere. I think we might have seen that with John Harbaugh when they kept on leaking out the information from John Harbaugh's agent that the Dolphins would be interested And that was something that Team Harbaugh used to leverage the Ravens into a higher paying contract. And John Harbaugh, of course, receives his contract extension from the Ravens. So the proof is in the pudding there. I think that's exactly what Le'Veon Bell is doing. Although he does live in Miami or he lived in Miami this season when he was away from the Steelers. So maybe he does want to be there. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. That's my thought on it. And I wouldn't do it if it was me in charge. And with that, we're going to go ahead and close this podcast out here on a Friday, as that is my time. Once again, if you guys have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and get that thing loaded up right away. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL, Follow the show, at Locked On Fins. And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great, great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night slash Monday morning for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up everybody.
0: The free night. He's all alone through the day and night.